Or our grandkids can't even... Our grandkids can't even pay off our debts. We have borrowed to continue this life that we're leading. And this is why we're borrowing, because we don't want to sacrifice. We don't want to put away personal savings and build from our personal savings. No, we just want to borrow, 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 because we want three cars. We want the cell phones. We want the computers. We want everything handed to us without working for it, without building a foundation. We want it here and now. We want it quick. And so we borrow, borrow, borrow to the point where we are stuck with a bill that can never be paid. And now right now, China is lending to the United States of America. And when America can't pay her bill, what's China going to do next? China's going to demand it be paid. And eventually China will attack the United States of America because it wants to be paid. And it wants our raw material and resources. You know, the Bible talks about in Ezekiel, the 38th chapter, Gog, the land of Magog, the, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. And Gog, we have identified as China, the land of Magog, which is, of course, the land of China, where the Mongolians dwelt and still dwelt north in the northern lands of China. The chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, which is, of course, modern-day Tibet and Manchuria, which China is the chief prince of both of those lands. And he says, prophesy against them and say, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. I will turn you back and put hooks into your jaws, and I will bring you forth all your army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor and a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Here is a huge company of men coming out of Gog, out of China, and of course they have a billion people out there and they can afford to have a, an army of a hundred million soldiers if they wish. And here's a huge company with a conglomerate of nations out of the east with them. Persia, verse 5, Ethiopia, Libya with them, all of them, shield and helmet. Gomer and all his bands, the house of Tagarma of the north quarters, and all his bands, and many people with you. And we look at the NATO of the east, Sino as they call it, and we see some of these nations including Iran, which is Persia, Put and Kush, says Ethiopia and Libya, but it's Put and Kush, which is India and Pakistan, with China, in a NATO of the East type of conglomerate, coming, Gomer and all his bands, which is of course Vietnam, and Singapore, the house of Tagarma. Many people with you, God says. Here is a huge army coming forth out of China and they're coming against a people that are sinning in the sight of Almighty God, people that are 
in a land which is protected, peace, total peace in this land. They don't have to worry about outside armies coming in. And it is a people called Israel. The people of Israel. Now, when I say that, a lot of people think, well, it's just the Jews there in the little land of Palestine. But they are just one tribe out of 12. Many people don't understand this, and then people kind of scoff at this, saying, well, that's British Israelism, and it's not true. Yet I've never seen anybody try to, never seen anybody disprove Anglo-Israelism. I've proved it for years that we are the house of Israel, the northern ten tribes, not the house of Judah, the Jews. The Jews are the house of Judah. When you look into 2 Kings 16.6, you will find that the Jews are at war against Israel. Two separate nations. You have the northern ten tribe house of Israel, and then the southern tribe house of Judah. And the house of Israel got taken away into captivity by the Assyrians. The house of Judah, of course, got taken away by Nebuchadnezzar in 597 606 to 590 606 to 587 BC three waves of invasions that took the exiles the house of Israel into exile the house of Judah rather into exile in the land of Babylon the house of Israel went to Assyria and dwelt between the black and the caspian seas and there became the caucasian people named after the Caucasus Mountains, and these Caucasians, called the Sake or Saxons, migrated north into Europe and in the Scandinavia and Britain and eventually America and the rest of the British Commonwealth. God promised multitudes would come from Abraham's seed, which got passed on to Isaac. So forget Ishmael. It's not talking about Ishmael. It's not talking about Midian and all the rest of Abraham's seed that came from his concubines. This promise went to Isaac. And Isaac was to have, was to have multitude of people come out of him, from his seed. And that got passed on to Jacob. So Jacob was to have uh, multitudes of people come from him. And then Jacob had 12 sons, and they became the 12 tribes of Israel. And they got split. After Solomon died, Rehoboam wanted to put a tax onto the people of Israel, and the northern 10 tribes split from him, where it says, none but the tribe of Judah followed the house of David. And then you see, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, with two completely separate national histories, separate national dynasties of kings, separate national capitals, with the house of Judah, the Jews, to the south, and the ten-tribe house of Israel to the north. And they were not called Jews. The word Jew is a nickname for the house of Judah. Yehudi means a person from Judah. And Judah is one tribe. Now I go through all this in my booklet, The United States and the British Commonwealth in Bible Prophecy. If you want to take a look at that booklet at britishisrael.ca. 
and it is absolute proof that what your Bible says is true and that it can predict the future, that this is the word of God, inspired from the mouth of Almighty God, written through his prophets, preserved for us today. God has left us a witness. God says that ye, talking about Israel, are my witnesses. That when you look at America and Britain today, prophesied thousands of years ago, Israel is God's witness. You are my witnesses that God is true to his word. So the house of Israel settled in their new lands with their king, the throne of David, over them, which is, of course, in England today. And they became a nation and a company of nations. And kings will come out of your loins, God says in Genesis, the 35th chapter, verse 10 through 11. And Ephraim and Manasseh were to be that great nation. That's Manasseh. Genesis, the 48th chapter, shows that. And Ephraim to become a great multitude or a conglomerate of nations, a commonwealth of nations. And there are only two brother nations in the world today that fulfill these prophetic requirements. And that is the United States and the British Commonwealth of Nations. We are the House of Israel. And here in Ezekiel, the 38th chapter, it says here that China is going to come up against a people called Israel. A huge multitude. And only one nation I know of can come up and literally attack America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. Has the, has the men... an army large enough to attack these huge lands of America, Canada, Britain, or not Britain, uh, Australia, New Zealand. Only China can do that. They have a billion people. They can muster together a 100 million soldiers in no time flat. It says many people with you, with a conglomerate of other nations, of Persia, Pakistan, India, Gomer and all his bands, which is Vietnam, Laos, and so on. Gomer, people from the north quarters. Many people with you. It says here, Be thou prepared, verse 7, Prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company, that are assembled unto thee. They often call it the NATO of the East. The SCO, Shanghai Corporation Organization. They call it the NATO of the East, which China is trying to form right now. Verse 8, after many days you shall be visited. In the latter years, notice the time set of this prophecy, it's in the latter days. You shall come into the land that is brought forth back from the sword and is gathered out of many people. And if you notice the logo of the United States of America, E Pluribus Unum, out of many we are one. And you can even say that about Canada and Australia and New Zealand. They have similar uh, historical backgrounds that out of many, we are one. 
against the mountains of Israel. Now, mountain is a symbol of a nation, a government, and it's talking about the mountains of Israel, plural, different nations of Israel, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the United States of America, the mountains, the nations of Israel, which have always been waste, but is brought forth out of nations, they and they shall dwell safely, even all of them. And that's, of course, our state today. We live in relative safety, peace, and harmony. We don't have, you know, some of the things like, like what's going on in Africa where the Zulus would attack, you know, another country within Africa at any moment. And there's constant wars and so on and people killing one another. We don't have that here in the United States and Canada. We dwell safely. It says in verse 9, You shall ascend and come like a storm, and you shall be like a cloud to cover the land. This is a huge multitude, and only China can fill this prophecy, fulfill this prophecy. You shall be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and all thy bands and many people with you. Now, Joel talks about the locusts that are going to come upon Israel, which he calls his army, and they will, of course, devour the lands of Israel. And it says that in front of them is like the Garden of Eden, and behind them nothing but desolation. Thus saith the Eternal, verse 10, It shall also come to pass that at that same time shall things come into your mind, and you shall think an evil thought, and you shall say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages, and I will go to them that are at rest, and they that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, having neither bars nor gates. And that has not happened since our time, in modern times, the 20th and 21st centuries, where we live, with unwalled villages. Most villages have, of course, a wall with a tower and a watchman up there and uh, people on standby and alert, preparing themselves for any invading armies. But we have unwalled villages. We dwell safely, without walls, having neither bars nor gates, to take a spoil, to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places which are now inhabited, and read it, Isaiah the 49th chapter, speaking of the lands of Israel, upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. Notice, they are to take a spoil and to take the prey, to get our cattle and goods, all our natural resources, and to take the spoil and to, and to take the prey, why? Is it because America will refuse to pay China back for all its money that it's lending to the United States of America? Is that what triggers China to come and invade the United States of America? Verse 13, Sheba, Didan, and the merchants of Tarshish, which is, of course, Japan, and all the young lions thereof, we call them young tigers today, but the uh, young lions of Japan, Singapore, Taiwan, shall say unto thee, Gog, Out thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take prey? 
to carry away silver and gold, which in ancient times is the economy of many nations. To take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil, that can only describe the United States of America and Canada and New Zealand and Australia. But notice that Japan and Taiwan and Singapore and the Philippines, they're all criticizing Gog for what they have done because America is their greatest trading partner with China, with Taiwan, with Singapore. They have been allies. They've been trading partners. And now their trading partners are gone. And they're criticizing God for what he has done. Verse 14, Therefore, Son of Man, prophesy and say unto God, Thus saith the Eternal, In that day when my people Israel dwell safely, and that's today, shalt thou not know it? And thou shalt come from the place out of the north parts, you and many people with you, all of them riding horses and great company and a mighty army. So this is a huge army, a huge conglomerate. And you shall come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land, and it shall be in the latter days, and I will bring thee against my land, that the heathen may know me when I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes. And then God says in verse 17 that he prophesied it in old time, that he would come against them, and you can find that in Ezekiel or Exodus, the seventeenth chapter, and Numbers, the twenty-fourth chapter. And it shall come to pass that when he enters into the land, that my fury shall come upon, come up in my face. And then God's jealousy comes in, and then God will punish Gog for all that he has done. So here we see. China coming up against the United States of America, its main target, and Canada, and New Zealand, and Australia, to take the spoil, to take prey, to take our cattle and goods, our raw materials and resources. And it focuses on the economy of our nations and when I'm seeing now today that China is borrowing, or America's borrowing, rather, from China, and we are running on China's credit card, I'm wondering, here, Gog is focusing on America's economy. Is it because America refuses to pay its bill? Somebody want to tell me how America is going to pay China back? China's buying up all our debt. China is the lender to America. How are we going to pay this off? It's impossible to pay trillions of dollars off. And as we see America today, its attitude, it doesn't intend to pay its bill whatsoever. So what I see from that article from Pat Buchanan of China, still growing at 9% in a global recession, of America with its sick economy and continued borrowing. I see these prophecies coming to pass maybe faster than we think. I don't want to put any dates on it, but reading these prophecies, it is speaking 
of our day today, and it can happen at any time. God says he's like a lion, waiting, and then all of a sudden, strike. And that's Bible prophecy. God says when things come to pass, they come to pass all of a sudden, like 9-11. 9-11 took everybody by surprise. Prophecy happens the same way. But before prophecy does happen, God promises that he says before he executes his judgment on his people Israel, he sends his prophets, the church of God, out to warn the people of what is going to happen so they have a chance to repent. So thank God for his mercy and his grace for allowing his church of God to go out and preach the gospel and showing the prophecies of God in our modern world today and telling his people to repent. That is the work of the church, which is the work of the watchman. Ezekiel, the 33rd chapter, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, they shall hear a word at my mouth and warn them from me. And of course, that word is the Bible. Let's go to a commercial break, and uh, we'll be back with more on British Israel Radio, the nation's identity station. inside you wonder if anyone could love you the way you are. God does. And that's why God let his only son, Jesus Christ, die on a cross almost 2,000 years ago. Jesus died for you because God knew you would fail to measure up. That's how much God loves you. The Bible, God's book, says, while you were a sinner, a person who failed and missed God's standards, Jesus died for you. But that's not all. God also raised Jesus from the dead. And because Jesus lives forever, you can too. If you want unconditional love and a new start on life, call 888-NEED-HIM. Let me repeat that. If you would like to speak to someone right now about beginning a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call 1-888-NEED-HIM. Someone is ready to help you. Call 888-NEED-HIM. All right, we're back here on British Israel Radio, the nation's identity. Station. My name is Peter Salemi, pastor and president of the British Israel Church of God. Glad you could join us today on our live radio broadcast. And of course, we're talking about prophecy. And thank God that when it comes to prophecy, that God sends a warning out first. As I mentioned earlier, Jesus Christ said that I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. And then when Jesus Christ came to this earth as a man, that he told his church to watch. Watch you therefore, that you may become worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass. And he says again to you all, I say, watch. So he says to do that work of the watchman, to watch world news, watch world events, and of course preach prophecies to the house of Israel, because the focus nation is Jacob. The great tribulation is coming upon the peoples of Jacob. And that is us, the United States and the British Commonwealth. But we got to thank God because God says this 
in Amos, the third chapter, verse 7, Surely the eternal God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. The lion hath roared, who will not fear? The Lord God hath spoken, who can but prophesy? So here we see, God, he will do nothing until he has revealed it to his servants, the prophets. Then the lion has roared, as I mentioned earlier. God says he's like a lion waiting to strike. So he reveals it to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. So he's revealed it to his servants, the prophets, who can but prophesy. And so this is our ministry that we must do, the church of God, but to prophesy because the lion has roared. God is coming. God is going to pronounce judgment on his people Israel. And we must prophesy. God has spoken. Here is his word. God has revealed it to his servants, the prophets. What's going to happen? We must prophesy. And thank God for it. Because when you look at the ministry of the work of the watchman, it says here, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel, verse 7. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die, if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that the wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So this is a huge responsibility for the church. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way, to turn from it, if he do not turn from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. So, a few things in these passages. Number one, the church has a huge responsibility because God has revealed his secret to his church. And what are we supposed to do? Oh, I have God's truth and not tell anybody? Not prophesy? Are we to be like the parable of the talons where we dig it into the sand and keep it and do nothing with it? Or are we to multiply it like the one who had the ten and the one who had five? And God said to him, uh, You good and faithful servant, be ye ruler over ten cities now. Same with the five. And the one who had the one and buried it in the sand says, You wicked and evil servant. Couldn't you at least put it in the bank that I may collect interest? God has revealed his secret to his servants, the prophets. What are we to do with that? But to go out and prophesy and tell people. Number two, that the wicked has a chance before God strikes because the lion has roared. That means the lion's coming. The wicked has a chance to repent. God's giving them a chance to repent before he strikes. So, we got to thank God that before he does anything, he has given his church his truth, that the church may go out and warn his people Israel of what's going to happen so they have a chance to repent and to be saved out of it. 
And God says, all the evil that I have pronounced on a nation, if they repent, I will repent of the evil that I will do unto that nation. God says that that nation won't go through the time called the Great Tribulation. It won't happen to them. Look at uh, Nineveh, the preaching of Jonah. Nineveh repented, and God did not come and judge Nineveh to destroy it. You can read that in the book of Jonah. Same thing can happen. God says, I will repent of the evil that I will do unto that nation. All we have to do is repent. But it's interesting, I find, that we are so hard-hearted that God has to take it to a point of warfare, of captivity and slavery for us to finally say, okay, God, you're God, I repent. He has to take it to that point for us to finally soften our hearts when we can do it right now. That's all we have to do is do it right now. Unfortunately, when you look at history and mankind, and of course human nature is the same with all of us, it never seems to work out that way, does it? Except for one time at the preaching of Jonah. Nineveh repented, and God did not do the evil that was pronounced on them. So I find that very, very interesting. All right, let's go to another song here on British Israel Radio. And if you want to contact me live on the radio broadcast, MSN Messenger, just punch in our Hotmail email account in your MSN Messenger. And if you have a microphone, just press Start Talking. And, of course, you can talk to me live on the radio broadcast. So don't hesitate. We want to hear from you. Here's Switchfoot and Learning to Breathe on British Israel Radio. Hello, good morning, how you do? What makes your eyes and sun so new? 
up and broken heart here on British Israel Radio. I can't hear you. What do you say? The nation's identity station. My name is Peter Salemi, pastor and president of the British Israel Church of God. Glad you can join us today in our live radio broadcast. I'm talking about prophecy and thanking God for giving us a warning before he strikes. The lion has roared. That is the warning that the lion is coming. God has spoken. He has given the warning. Who can but prophesy? We must prophesy in these times because Christ is coming again. Judgment is going to fall on our people Israel. The warning is out. The warning, people, uh, God's people, the church, they are prophesying. Are we going to heed God's message? That is the question. Or are we just going to toss it aside? As God says, you cast me behind your back. Toss him aside. And, you know, go on with our uh, regular routine of sinning and uh, all this wretchedness and, and, and evil that we 
continue to do every single day? You know, we all have a choice in life. We are free moral agents. God says in Deuteronomy 30th chapter, verse 19, I have set before you life and good, death and evil. And then he says, therefore, choose the good that you and your seed may live. You know, God's laws, His Ten Commandments, give us a long life, give us healthy children, healthy bodies, obedient children. It produces everything you really want, crime-free societies, no murder, no stealing, no adultery, you know, we, we got all these sexual uh, diseases out there that's happening because people are committing adultery. No divorce, no child abandonment. God's laws produce life. But we are on this trek of producing sin and death, and I think, from what I see on television and all the rest of it, and all these political special interest groups and all that, that want their rights and gay marriage and all the rest of it, they love what they're doing. As the Bible says, they have pleasure in their sin. Isaiah, the third chapter, plainly says, they declare their sin is Sodom, they hide it not. You know, God says to a nation, ask them of their sins, and it says they didn't even blush. They're not ashamed. We are not ashamed of our sins. We have a choice. God has made us free moral agents. Now, what's the choice people seem to be making these days? Well, it's not the Ten Commandments. Now, we all wish our neighbor would keep the Ten Commandments, but they don't want, we don't want the Ten Commandments to apply to us. We want to do what we want. And I find it interesting that people would live their lives the way they want to live it. You know, everyone does what's right in their own eyes, the Bible says. They want to live their life the way they want to live it. God, be quiet. Don't tell me what to do. Sit there in the corner. Stay out of my life. But then, when I get in trouble, Lord, well, then you got to come out here and help me. I find that interesting with people today. I remember during 9-11, people were asking, where was God? I mean, you know, we were under attack. Many people got killed. I think it was 3,000 was the total, uh, over 3,000 was the total of people that got killed in the Twin Towers. And, and people were dying and people were falling out of windows and diving off and, you know, it, plowing right into the pavement and dying on impact and, and the mayhem and, and the, the total chaos that happened during that day, people were asking, where was God? I find it interesting that we in the West have virtually secularized our government. We've taken God out of education, taken God out of uh, the justice system. We've taken God out of everything. Yet, when 9-11 comes, people ask, where was God? 
We take God out of everything, yet we want him pronto when we're in trouble. It doesn't work like that. Notice Isaiah, the 58th chapter, interesting scripture, love quoting this scripture. He says here, 59 rather, The Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. God can answer prayer. God can listen, and God can save us in our times of trouble. Okay? He's not saying he can't do it. He's saying he can do it. He is. He, God says, I am your Savior. He saved Israel out of Egypt. Verse 2. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So here we see a nation that sins in the sight of Almighty God, take God out of all aspects of life, yet pray to him when they're in trouble and expect an answer, and then they wonder, why, where is God? Well, this is why God didn't answer our prayers at 9-11. Did we repent? Or is America still sinning today? Did we repent? Did God see it in our hearts that we are a repentant nation? No. God says, I will not answer your prayer because I will not look upon sin. Now, that's not speaking of the overcoming sinner. He's speaking of the everyday Joe out there who has no time for God and just lives life according to the way he wants to live it. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God, that he has hid his face from you, that he will not hear. And then he says, your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue hath, has muttered perverseness. No one calls for justice, no one pleads for truth. They trust in vanity, they speak lies, they conceive mischief, and bring forth iniquity. This is the kind of society we are living in today. So think of it, the next time you are on your knees speaking to Almighty God, communicating to God in prayer, in your prayer closet where no one knows where you are and it's just you and God, make sure that your heart is pure, you are an overcoming sinner, you are in a repentant mode, and when you're in that state of heart, mind, and body, God will answer your prayer. And put this in your mind also when you're praying and you want something. Sometimes the answer is no. Remember that. Just like your parent, if you ask your parent, hey dad, hey mom, can I have this? Sometimes they say no. And of course they, we know they say no because it's for our own good. But God will answer your prayer, yes or no. We got to remember that. And when, you know, I find it funny when people say, Where is God? Yet they don't read the Bible, they don't study the Bible, they don't live according to the way God wants them to live, yet they want God pronto when they are in trouble. It just doesn't work like that. Even David asked, Why do you hide yourself 
from us in times of trouble. He was asking the same question. Where was God? Why do you hide yourself? And it says that in the beginning it was not so, the Bible says. It was not so. Why is it so now? Well, because of one huge barrier between God and man, and that is sin. Yet, that barrier can be closed. It can be shut. There, there doesn't have to be a wall between you and God anymore. And that person who destroyed that wall that you can communicate to the Father is Jesus Christ. He is the one that takes away the sins of the entire world. If you get on your knees and accept Him as your personal Lord and Savior, your sins will be washed away. That barrier taken away between you and God, which is sin, through Christ, and you can have direct communication to the source of the entire universe, the one who is called the Father and the one who is called the Son, which is the family of God. God is a family consisting of the Father and the Son. And they will give you their power that will be have you begotten of the Holy Spirit that is the power of God dwelling inside you that you can communicate with God on the same spiritual level. It's there. You can communicate with your Savior. You can communicate with your God. You guys just got to have the right heart and mind, repentant heart, a humble heart, a contrite heart, as the Bible says, Ask Christ to wash your sins away through his blood. Repent and be ye baptized, the Bible says in Acts 2.38, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you can be in constant communication with God. And it's an amazing thing, and I'm speaking from experience. It's the most wonderful thing you can possess on this earth today. Not money. Not uh, any type of material goods. A relationship. A covenant relationship. Because he is a covenant God. A covenant relationship between you and your God. Let's go to a commercial break. And uh, we'll be back with more on British Israel Radio. The nation's identity station. sat with someone in my coaching experience and they've said to me I love my mate but I don't think I'm in love anymore as I think about what Jesus did for us all on the cross I become aware that love is not necessarily a feeling but it's an act of your will Jesus made a decision to die for us no amount of suffering or pain could have derailed him from his mission when you said your vows on your wedding day you accepted a mission to love your mate for the rest of your life Jesus said later on You've lost your first love for me. You need to start doing the things that you did at first. And that same principle relates to our marriage. We need to go back to holding hands, opening the doors for one another, those kinds of things. I think you'll find that as you start to do the things that love does, in time, the feeling of love will return. 
Embrace Marriage. There's more at EmbraceMarriage.org. All right, we're back here on British Israel Radio. My name is Peter Salemi, Pastor and President of the British Israel Church of God. And don't forget to log on to our website at BritishIsrael.ca and take a look at our statements of beliefs, our mission statement, our booklets and videos, and also our British Israel blog. We also got a blog now where we look for significant events as it applies to Bible prophecy and the Bible in general itself. And of course, we post it up on the blog. And of course, also the podcast. You can... Uh, our podcast file in your feeder and every time we update the podcast it'll pop up on your feeder and you can listen to the new uh, podcast that we have it's usually a recorded version of the live radio broadcast which we do and so many people enjoy that and we get many many hits from our podcast alone so sign up for that podcast and also if you believe in this work and you want to see this work grow and God is putting it in your heart and mind to tithe to this organization so this work can go into radio and eventually television. Uh, you can do that online on our website at BritishIsrael.ca at the icon that says support us. It goes to our PayPal uh, account and you can tithe to this organization if you want to support the British Israel Church of God. Now, right now, I'm kind of updating some of our booklets that we have online. I'm updating the War on Terrorism and Prophecy, and I'm just adding a few more sources and notes and uh, going it through it verse by verse and using uh, many, many sources, lexicons, commentaries, different translations to get the exact quote of what God is telling us in the Bible verse by verse to give it to you accurately to compare scripture with scripture and letting the Bible interpret itself getting the exact meaning of some of these expressions and words that God uses and to show you exactly where we are right now in Bible prophecy and of course I have said and Many broadcasts, and we are right now in Daniel, the 11th chapter, verses 44, and pretty close to verse 45, where it says that he, that's the king of the north, which is the king of the NATO allies, which is the United States of America, the president, will set up the tabernacles of his palace. These are military bases between the seas, which is the Negev Desert, between two seas, the Mediterranean and the Dead Sea, between the seas and in the glorious holy mountain. A military base in Jerusalem. Believe it or not, God says when you see a United States military base in Jerusalem, it says he shall come to his end and none shall help him. There is the prophecy that shows the end of the United States of America as a global superpower, the end of NATO, where NATO breaks apart because it says all your allies have forgotten you, they care nothing for you, and that's in Jeremiah the 30th chapter, and it says at that time, when he shall come to his end, shall Michael stand up, the great prince that stands for the children of your people, and that Michael is the archangel Michael, 
who looks over our people, the United States and the British Commonwealth of Nations. And it says that he, his protection, because he stands for the children of your people, that is protection, or as it says in the margin here, watches over. So he watches over, protects the people of Israel. God says, stand up, Michael. That protection is over for our people. And there shall be a time of trouble when he shall, America comes to his end, where NATO breaks apart. No more a global superpower. The Great Tribulation comes upon Israel, which is, of course, America, Britain, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the rest of the British Commonwealth and the Scandinavian peoples. There shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And that is the same time Christ is speaking of in Matthew 24, 21, and Jeremiah 30, verses 7 through 8. The time of Jacob's trouble, the great tribulation. So this is where we are right now. Right now we're in verses 44, where it says, Reports, out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. And that is, of course, the war on terrorism, where we got many reports out of the east and out of the north, which is the area of Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran. And it troubled us, and it's still troubling us today with the Iran trying to build nuclear uh, nuclear power, and it's troubling us. Therefore, he shall go forth with great fury to destroy and to utterly annihilate many. And that is describing the war on terrorism exactly today. He went out, President Bush went out with great fury. I remember the fury of the United States and the NATO allies. Everybody at that time wanted to be an American. And, of course, his policy was to destroy terrorism and to utterly annihilate. That is the policy here. It doesn't say he's going to do it, that he's going to fulfill it, but it says that this is his policy, to destroy and to utterly annihilate many, which, of course, we have destroyed and annihilated many. That's his policy. And then it says, And he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain. Now, why? Well, because of the troubles, the tidings out of the east and out of the north that are troubling him. This is why he's planting tabernacles in Israel. And it's interesting, I've written up in my blog that the United States is planning to put a military base in the Negev Desert, which is between the seas, because of Iran and their threat to this to the region with their them pursuing nuclear power. So we are seeing prophecy being starting to be ful- fulfilled in front of our very eyes. The lion has roared and the church of God is prophesying. Let's go to another song here on British Israel uh, Radio. Here is Seven Places and Fall in Line on British Israel Radio. <laughs> 